Hey listeners, Adam O'Donnell here. Today we have a great interview with Ahmad, the CEO of Mercury. He goes under the hood on how they grew to 80,000 customers after only launching in 2017. They've raised over 152 million and their last valuation was $1.6 billion. I wanted to know how the heck did they get to 80,000 customers so quickly? We had about 60 uh, angel investors in our seed round. So in recent Horowitz led the round, but then I collected as many people as I could find basically. When we launched, we had them tweet about Mercury. And I think the three most impactful tweets were one, one was from the A16Z account, uh, one was Elad Gill, and one was Justin Khan. But those three I remember got shared a ton. So we've all sent tweets and did not have the same success. So I wanted to take a step back and understand the framework of what made this launch on Twitter so different. The first is that Mercury applies to every founder. Everyone needs a bank account. As he shares, few founders are actually happy with their bank. I think the important thing is to be doing something ambitious. Like no one wants to tweet about something that's like boring. Hey, we're building a bank. Right, that's like such a ambitious and hard thing to think about. They kept their message super simple. We are building banking for startups, right? Like that was it, I mean, we just wanted everyone to say that phrase, banking for startups over and over so that like we became known for that. There's like a mimetic power to certain phrases, if you know what I mean. It has to be easy to understand, has to like be interesting to talk about. It has to be a short phrase. So they had an ambitious idea solving a real pain and they had their messaging, but we also can't ignore the power of Ahmad's network. He's a successful founder. He's now invested in over 280 startups. But we grew very consistently between 30 and 40% a month for the next like six months after we launched. Really, most of it came from Motorpath and actually continues to. If you only get one thing from this episode, it's understanding what is the most important growth channel that we need to focus on and how do our users make decisions. For founders, it's word of mouth. As he said in the episode, they don't Google. When you want to decide on a bank account, you ask other founders. He knew that they understood it and they played to it really really well and that's how they've been able to grow so fast check out the rest of the episode mercury is, is one of the hottest startups in silicon valley right now boom hey welcome to sit down startup founder podcast i'm your host adam o'donnell former founder and vc i now work at zendesk for startups where we offer six months free use of zendesk for qualified high growth companies man i'm so glad to have you here on the show uh, could you first tell us when you founded mercury we started in August 2017, but I had this idea in 2013, so. Very cool. Okay, so we had some time in between. I love it. What was the product originally, and is it the same thing that it is now? Well, we didn't launch until April 2019, but yeah, the product never changed. We were always planning and to build a bank account for, for startups, and that's what we launched with and still have today as our primary kind of product. And how big are you now, just for anyone who doesn't know about Mercury? 357 employees, uh, about 80,000 businesses use Mercury. Most recent kind of fundraise was we raised 120 million at a 1.62 billion valuation. Can you name some of your investors for also anyone who doesn't know? I know you've got some really impressive ones. Yeah. Um, in recent Horowitz, um, CRV, Co2, actually Howie from Airtable that you just mentioned. We have actually about like 80 or 90 angel investors. So I could go on for a while, but uh, yeah, lots of really supportive, useful people. Really cool. I mean, help, help us. Like, So you have 80,000 customers using Mercury and you've been, you found it in a relatively short amount of time. Could you tell us one of the most impactful growth stra stra strategies in the early days before you started to hit that hockey stick moment? 
The thing that actually works surprisingly well right at the start, uh, and I don't know if this really works for other people that well, uh, but was what worked for us was Twitter. We had about 60 uh, angel investors in our seed round. So in recent Horowitz led the round, but then I collected as many people as I could find, basically. And when we launched, we had them tweet about Mercury. And I think the three most impactful tweets were one, one was from the A16Z account. Uh, one was Elad Gill, uh, who's an investor in Mercury and actually a great investor if you can get him. And one was Justin Khan, also an investor in Mercury, uh, also a great founder and investor. I mean, I'm sure there was other tweets that, that had an impact, but those three I remember got shared a ton, really helped drive this kind of initial word of mouth growth. With Mercury, it's pretty obvious that the need exists. Like everyone before Mercury hated their business bank account. You know, that bit wasn't hard, but the hard bit is trust, right? Like, do you trust your hard earned business money to a new startup that just launched with a bank account? And that, yeah, that was really hard at the start for us to like get over that hurdle. Uh, mm -hmm. But getting these kind of, you know, relatively well known tech influencer type people to like tweet about us. Number one, obviously gave us distribution, but it also like helped bridge this trust gap uh, that existed. Mm. And that was very important to us at the start. But you're, you're saying you got A16Z to invest as well as these other impressive uh, investors yeah. before you launched? Yeah, there was a seed round we did right at the start, basically. That's amazing. So how many customers did you have when they were doing due diligence at your seed stage? I mean, zero. It takes a, it takes a, I mean, especially in 2017, it takes a lot of time to build a bank account. I was mostly based on a, you know, this is my fourth startup and I sold my previous one. So I had at least somewhat of like a reputation. And then B, a lot of the people that invested had felt this pain point, like almost everyone that was an investor had been a founder. So they felt that like there was a need for a, a better business bank. Did you suggest the kind of tweet that you wanted them to do? A, I tweeted something and I, then I sent them all an email saying, hey, uh, you can either retweet this or write your own tweet. I don't think I wrote it out for them. It's an easy ask from an investor, right? It's like, hey, we launched something, like it's cool, you should tweet about it. Difficult thing for them to do. Can you tell us more about how you thought about the messaging? And I, I'm just wondering like how surgical it was to get the right messaging because you obviously nailed the messaging. I think the important thing is to be doing something ambitious. Like no one wants to tweet about something that's like boring. You know, we're like, hey, we're building a bank, right? That's like such a ambitious and hot thing to think about. It is often said as like, hey, go back to the product and the core thing. And that that I think like a lot of marketing and things like that is like, you know, you can't quite tweak the message if the underlying thing is not interesting and people don't want to talk about it. But, you know, building a bank, it being a big pain point for entrepreneurs, like it was exciting and interesting to tweet about. And that was the real core of the messaging. We were like, we are building banking for startups, right? Like that was it. I mean, we just wanted everyone to say that phrase, banking for startups over and over so that like, we became known for that. Beyond that, there wasn't like some complex message or anything like that. You, you had done enough research as a founder that you knew there was a real pain here. And yeah. the messaging is super simple. Like no one has to overthink. This isn't like underwater basket weaving kind of joke. Not to get too abstract about it, but there's like a mimetic power to certain phrases, if you know what I mean. Like it's like something spread better because they're like, it has to be easy to understand. It has to like be interesting to talk about. It has to be a short phrase. You know, if you get a few of those things right, they tend to have like better spread. Not that I thought like a ton about like what is the mimetic spread of this thing, but like at least in hindsight, like I think 
those things made it like interesting. I love that humility because you're like, we didn't like surgically get all this thought. We were just like, hey, we know there's a problem. I don't know, startup banking, that's what we do. And and this is in a time when Brex was rising up as well. So I'm curious how you were looking at that uh, during that time. So, you know, they're very focused on a corporate credit card, whereas our focus was always like, let's be your primary bank account. So uh, I think externally, people view these markets as like, oh, it's the same thing in a similar market. But I think reality is like when you're looking for a bank account, you mostly think about Mercury or you think about one of the incumbents. And we really want you to think about Mercury, obviously. When it comes to a corporate credit card, Brex has obviously done really well. Other people, we actually just launched a corporate credit card <laughs> on Monday. So now we're more direct in their space. But yeah, I know, especially when we launched, we were the first business bank that was targeting this segment. There was a couple of other kind of startup business banks, but they were much more kind of SMB type focused at the time. You did that, the round where you announced, where your investors announced what what you were doing and startup banking, all that. How, how was the growth after that? Like, I don't know about a month after that, but we grew very consistently between 30 and 40% a month for the next like six months after we launched. So it was very, very fast growth. And really, most of it came from word of mouth and actually continues to. We About 55% of our growth today is through word of mouth and organic kind of growth. To some extent, that was part of the plan. We deliberately targeted startups because this is true for a lot of industries, but not for every industry. But the way founders make a decision about what they should use as a tool is not through searching Google. It's through talking to other founders. Even now, if I'm like, I want to use a new accountant, I wouldn't go search Google for an accountant. I'd go ask my five founder friends and say, which accountant do you like? And like, who should I use? So I think that's very true between like the startup entrepreneur community. It's very, very much based on recommendations. We really go out of our way to give people really good support, build a really good product and try to make it so people love Mercury. And yeah, we provide a valuable service. And I think on the other side, people really dislike most of the previous banks. So that gives us an opportunity to really become like the the recommended bank for entrepreneurs. So a lot of our growth has been word of mouth. And I think actually it's like quite healthy. It forces you to actually build a great product if you rely on word of mouth growth. Like you can't rely on just like spending more money to acquire users. You actually have to like build new products and provide a great customer experience. I mean, this is how every business should be in general. And I know this podcast is always around like, what are the growth things you did? But yeah. the the best companies, that's a common trend is that like the product was nailed and the the rest kind of yeah. took care of itself. It's not always the case that you're in a space where your customers talk to each other a lot, right? Like there's mm. definitely people like you're selling to, I don't know, a security yeah, chief or chief. What is it? Well, they're called CIS. CIOs or CIS. CIS is uh, Cisco. Yeah. If you're selling to those, like they probably don't talk to each other all the time. Maybe they do actually. I don't know. Uh, certain spaces where you do need a sales team and you can't rely on word of mouth. I think consumer yeah. and like prosumer and like early SMB and early startup, you can rely on like community driven growth. If you could go back to like the first six months after you raised your C round, were there any other things you did to supplement or encourage that word of mouth spread that were interesting or maybe unique? This one is very specific to me, but I, I'm a quite a prolific investor. Now I've invested in 280 companies. Back then I was probably on like more like 100. 
you know, getting all of them to use it. Uh, not that, I, you know, it was just a suggestion, but obviously they know me, so they're more likely to do it. So that's like, yeah, at the start, you can do a lot of manual things, right? Like you don't need to rely on things that work at scale. Uh, we did actually podcasts like this. Uh, I went on a bunch of podcasts and I also... We ran our own podcasts uh, from the start. So like the Twitter thing worked. So like how, like our thinking was, how do we generate more tweets? Uh, so creating a podcast with people with Twitter following and like getting them to then tweet about the podcast and you know, people would then learn about Mercury. Uh, that worked well. We also focused to some extent on trying to win the next Y Combinator batch. So we launched mm. in April that don't know Y Combinator is an accelerator for startups. That's quite successful. And there was a Y Combinator batch that happened, like, I guess, June to August. So it was straight after our launch. But you don't know exactly what percentage of that batch used Mercury, but it was significant. And like we had a we had a perk for the batch. And then we tried to like, you know, talk to as many of, of the batch as we could to like get them to use Mercury. Uh, so that was fairly successful as well. So geez, I'm a big fan when it comes to, especially early marketing, to just try a lot of stuff. Uh, I don't think you know you can really know what's going to work and what will scale, but like kind of have to throw a lot of like stuff out there and you know what works you double down on if it doesn't work you don't do more one other thing a growth strategy that uh, I've, I've really admired is mercury raise yeah. where you make it introduce other founders to vcs in your network and you do it really well you, I've, I've talked to people on that team and you have a team that just does that yeah we have three people that basically do those kind of community projects and it's nice because you know I don't know, even if they don't drive market marketing, at least we're being helpful to people. So at the minimum, I feel good about it. Uh, but I do think like, yeah, one of the ways to drive marketing is to do things where you don't make money. When it's all about like, I'm personally going to make money from this thing, it's it's easy for other people to kind of tune out. Whereas if you just do useful, helpful thing to be for people that's like educational or like drives, helps the community in some ways, that drives marketing for like free. I mean, obviously you have to build it, but you know, it's, it's cheaper to do that than spend like millions of dollars on like billboards or something like that. <laughs> that it's, it's such an altruistic thing. You're like, hey, I'm just trying to help people and you trust that it does convert. One last question. What is your superpower as a founder? My main one, and I guess partly because I enjoy this, I think it's hard to have a superpower that you don't enjoy doing, uh, is I really like learning new things. Uh, and I spend, I feel like as a CEO, you have to learn new things every few months. And you're like, like last year, I was like, I need to hire some execs. I have no idea how exact hiring works. So I spent some time figuring that out. And, you know, I'm not amazing at it, but I'm much better than I was a year ago. I feel like there's always a new challenge and something new to learn. And I love learning new things. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Adam. Boom. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you want to learn more about Zendesk for Startups and our free offer, please check out our website at zendesk.com startups. 